Welcome to the Hopecast. We're glad you're joining us this week. Here we have conversations about finding life. Do you ever do that? You're just talking, but then you have another thought in your mind at the same time? The classic for that is when you <laughs> dial somebody to call them, and then you and think, you don't, oh no, who did I just <laughs> oh dial? Oh my gosh, you do that too? I do that And then too. they answer, <laughs> and, and like, then they're like, hey. hello, and you're like, hello. <laughs> and they're like, who is this? And you're like, who is this? <laughs> you're like, you called you, me. You're like, don't you recognize me by right, my voice? Right. Hey. Like, Sometimes I just try to say like, hey, what's going on? And like, hope. That I'm gonna hope against Like trying hope. to figure out a text <laughs> from a number you don't recognize. If we talk long enough and have enough text exchange, I know that I'm gonna pick up on something and figure out who oh this is. Oh my gosh, that's really funny. I actually texted the wrong mom this morning about a carpool, and it somehow I have not talked to this person in four or five months. Somehow this is how much mom life is the same. It, she thought it was she had a relevant answer. She thought I was talking about a completely totally different kid, different sport, different thing. And I was like, "Oh, wrong, wrong, mom. I'm so sorry for my 10:45 p.m." So you text. send a text and it says your child is misbehaving at school and needs to be picked up. You send it to the wrong mom, and she, and she replies and yep. says, "Okay, what time?" <laughs> Sounds like my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that is not what we're talking. Actually, yeah. I didn't even plan it, and that feels like oh, a great no. segue. So we've we've been on a summer break, taking yes. a little break from the podcast, and we're yes, back. We're back. It's the fall. It feels like the new year when it comes to ministry calendar, and it's exciting. Yeah, but I am so not ready to say goodbye to summer yet. Just can't do it. Oh, I. It was a. It was a uh, not a very warm summer. Um, it was a rainy, rainy summer, and it felt like it went by so fast to me. Okay, so. Um, full disclosure, I have been thinking a lot about this. I, I enjoy a lot of the things that you can do in the summer, yeah. but summer itself as a season, I think it's my least favorite. It's shocking. I, you're saying summer to remove everything that relates to summer in our culture, just the actual first weather, of all, weather, fall and spring. I'll take it hands down sure. over summer. Um, I don't like um, 90 degrees and mm-hmm. 85% humidity. And a lot of times in Richmond, you get that with very sort of gray overcast skies. Yeah. To me, it's so depressing. And I have a good buddy, and summer is so much his favorite that he, like, starts getting depressed about now. <laughs> and I'm starting so- to realize – now, there's the whole psychological thing of summer, like – it's supposed to be happy and carefree and fun and friends and patio parties and all that. And all of that emotional stuff, sure, I love that. But just the weather and all that comes with it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, ugh. So I don't know when You're this ready. is going to post, but the weather forecast for tomorrow and the next day are supposed to be like, I think they're going to be the two prettiest days we've had in months. Well, it's just after Labor Day on this recording. So we're coming yeah. into the yeah. prime, although it sometimes is very, very hot still in Richmond in Do September. Do you have but... a sense with summer? This is an honest question. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody deserves it, so to speak. But I find sometimes I have this little emotional hope or expectation that somehow summer is going to provide this sort of 
really sweet R and R types of experiences. <laughs> and I don't, I, no. I don't have that. It yeah. doesn't happen for me. Um, do you feel the that only thing in our season of life with the kids and we're at that season where everyone is at the peak of activity and no one's a driver yet. The only, the, this is the slightest thing, but it's meaningful. The only thing we have is Dave and I can take a walk in the morning. Like we walk the dogs in the morning because when the kids are in, we are, he's out the door with the kids at probably seven Oh five. So to realistically like spend time together would be getting up mm-hmm. at five. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the tail end with the teenagers. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be going to bed at nine because so you want to be with them. So we just, all we get back is morning time. Um, that we really enjoy. But honestly, other than that, I would say the expectation is way higher and then you end up disappointed. And I will speak on behalf of like mom culture. I think that's actually true for most moms. Some not, but most will say. Summer is the only of the four seasons I can think of where people will say something like, how was your summer? Yeah, I've never had somebody say, how was your spring? Or how was your winter? It's probably related to school, right? Maybe you know. it's related to school, the sense that school's out and the and idea then we that... have a carryover of school, which is even more disappointing because, hi, welcome to adulthood. You don't get the summer off. Right. So how was your summer? Well, my summer was right after my spring and right. I kept doing the same thing that I was doing before. I suppose that probably there is a sense that, you know, maybe if you are going to take some vacation mm-hmm. time, summer's going to be mm-hmm. when it happens. So that's probably wrapped into how was your summer? Like it's probably a way to say, you know, have you had a vacation and how was it and all that? Anyway, I just find that there's a batch of things that come with summer that um, I'm I'm like readdressing these thoughts. <laughs> I hope this has been a good place for you to air out yeah. some of these things that have been Thank on your you heart. It feels like it's you, it this. feels like you've been really burning. And how I, much do I, owe you? I want you to know that your struggles are welcome What's here. Your and this fee? is an honest and transparent. What's your culture? and everybody who's listening counseling <laughs> fee? Well, okay, so I've asked you this question nearly every year of the Hopecast, but maybe it changes and I'll give you my answer too. So the fall one, you can only say one thing, though. One thing that you like about the fall. I think based on the conversation we just had, that's probably going to be easy, which is uh, clearer, drier weather. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. You know, the, the sky gets really blue, and we have the benefit here where we're recording at the West Creek campus of our Hope campuses. This is a really beautiful spot, and we hope that people, you know, sometimes people come out here, they sit on the patio, or they linger after a service. It's really pretty, and so you do get to enjoy it in a different way in the fall, for sure. Quick plug on that. We're probably, I don't know how many weeks, could be four, could be eight, uh, away from the new amphitheater construction out behind the Mm. lodge at West Creek. I'm pumped about that. I think it's going to be be a really special spot. That's going to be awesome. All right. Well, we want to talk about a topic today that I think is actually probably near and dear to many people's heart, whether they whether they like it or not, which is this whole concept of kind of like perfection, being perfect, per, um, perfectionism. You know, we use it in our culture. It's a funny thing that, you know, when you interview someone and you ask them their weakness and they say, well, I'm a perfectionist, Um, we kind of have this weird relationship with it. Like, hey, I feel like this is not a good thing, but kind of our culture celebrates it as we should all be really striving um, is how I would say it to kind of be our best. And then you layer on top of that, that there's a theological piece to this where if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, be perfect. So you lay that on top of our culture, and wow, there's lots of opportunities to be like, what is that all about? Is this good? Is this bad? Um, how do I live this out? So yeah. let's let's talk about that a little bit. 
I think, um, well, it's late in the day here. Um, so, you know, you get maybe I'm going to have to pay attention to some of the filters, but um, I think it's a little manic, personally. The perfectionism culture? Yeah, the perfectionism culture. Um, it comes a little bit with sort of um, wanting to appear to have it all together, wanting people to be impressed with us and so on and so forth. And um, like, I'm like, where did the word manic come from? Why did you choose that? And without spending the whole podcast on that one word, I, I do actually think, though, that that word um, applies in a lot of cases, that we just have to look like we have it all together. And the funny thing is, everybody knows they don't have it all together. Right. And I think everybody, at least intellectually, knows that nobody has it all together. Um, and sometimes for me, now this is now, uh, you know, my age, my experience in life, also ministry life, sometimes the person who appears to have it all together in an almost over-the-top kind mm -hmm. of a way is a kind of person who I feel a little bit sad for. Mm. Like maybe there's some compulsion or insecurity or fear where there is such a strong need to create this image that I have it all together. Um yeah, so this idea of perfect, I... Uh, Can I ask you a question quick yeah. about the manic thing? Because you use the word. Do you When you say that, do you mean com compulsive, meaning there's like a there's almost like an anxiety that has to be relieved and this burden mm -hmm. that is like oppressive in the sense that it requires action? Like I have this oppressive belief about the way I have to live my life and I'm so anxious about that, that I have to do things to relieve it. So mm -hmm. I overwork and I overschedule and I try to handle every detail perfectly every time. I mean, uh -huh. is that, is that what you mean by manic? I'm just trying yeah, to. Yeah, a little bit. I think, um, I mean, this conversation is taking a little bit of an unexpected turn, but I think it actually can be quite meaningful. Um, I would sort of say yes to like, if manic was having a very sincere conversation with somebody about certain behaviors <laughs> Um, at some level, it's like a, it's like a, a behavior that has a compulsion to it and you could have a reasonable conversation and say, you don't have to do it. It doesn't have to right. look that way. And manic probably has some element to it of a certain strength to it. Like I, I have to do it. I have to do it. And secondly, a little piece, which is I can't not do it. Mm -hmm. Like I understand intellectually what you're saying that I don't have to. But there's something inside that's such a strong driver that mm -hmm. I can't not do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's so enslaving, really. I mean, that's yes. why it feels like a burden because yes. we're – it's what, what you said. Intellectually, we know other people don't have it all together. But somewhere emotionally or just the, the actions that we're taking say, I have no choice but to live under – this schedule or this expectation or this design for my life, right. I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right. Um, sometimes there's a lot of ways this comes forth, but think about, um, think about like entertaining and our houses, let's just say in their normal use during the week, um, you know, it's not that every single thing is perfectly in its spot right. and every tabletop is dusted and every, now I, I do know a couple of houses like that, but, but actually I would say they actually do feel a little manic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So yet, like when we're going to entertain, I think this is like one illustration of how this happens. It's like, let's make sure everything is cleaned up so perfectly that, and then you're like, that what? (laughs) That it looks like our life is perfect, that this is the way we always live. Now, there are two sides to this, right? Because my wife and I, Elizabeth, will have this kind of conversation. Um, I totally get, let's clean up. And right. let's, let's have the house look nice. I personally don't feel like that's kind of on the manic side. Um, but she would say, no, this is about making people feel warmly welcomed mm-hmm. into an attractive um, place. Like we prepared for you. Exactly. That's, that's a, a good it's, way to What say we're it. talking about is com- two completely different motivations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like a very similar outcome. Right. And, and so I appreciate that. Sometimes when I'm in a, I don't know, feisty mood, I'll be like, you know what, sweetheart, leave some stuff not looking perfect. Mm. And if some folks who are part of our church came into, quote, the minister's house and saw that it wasn't perfect, it would really help them. <laughs> like, it would really encourage them. <laughs> because this them. is our actual reality. Right, I mean, that's the point, right? Right. right. And so uh, my phrase, if I was getting a little frustrated, uh, would be, it's not a museum. We actually live here. You know, when you go to, you know, so-and-so's childhood home and you look at everything and everything's in place, like, let's not make it look like a museum. Yeah. I mean, we actually live here. Right. Let's not try to make it look like we don't live here. Well, and to get back to the, you know, I think that's a perfect real life example of the kind of ways that this perfectionism can play out in a a manic, if we're going to use that phrase, way. So let's take that back kind of to this idea because... The only thing that's going to make this more manic is now also thinking that it's spiritual, like that I have some sort of compulsive need to be good, to be right, to follow all the rules. And yet, you know, we get this verse where Jesus kind of sounds like that's what he's saying. I think that can be really confusing. Yeah. So I remember the first time I read this many years ago when I was a brand new Christian in Matthew 5, Jesus says, be perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. Okay, when you just read that straight up, I remember the first time I read it, I, my, my just real clean, straight up answer was impossible. Right. Right? I can't be God. Okay, now I have a broader sense of what I think he was saying. The word perfect that he's speaking of is this Greek word telos. Telos means um, whole, complete, uh, mature. it's these words that bundle together to mean something like that there is a wholeness. Mm. This is not a fragmented, insecure, fractured center, Mm. um, but that there is a wholeness, a security, a settledness, a maturity. So it's that it's all those words bundled together into this kind of idea of wholeness, I think. And I don't think Jesus is saying it as a command. Like, if you're not perfect the way God is perfect, then you know, mm-hmm. you're in big trouble. I think what he's saying is the wholeness of God is the kind of wholeness that I'm inviting you to. Which is basically the opposite of what we were just talking about in some ways, because I think the feelings of I have to keep it together, or I have to strive, are actually very disintegrating and fracturing yes. rather than putting together in whole. And so the, the sense of that word to me is much more, um, it has such a deeper sense of peace to it than the kind of perfect that we talk about maybe in our culture. Exactly. So, um, 
if we were to look at it that way and consider Jesus saying something like, um, be whole mm-hmm. as your Father in Heaven is whole, then the idea is that our Father in Heaven, His wholeness, His security, His identity security, His inner peace, His lack of anxiety, His character, His maturity. I mean, this is like, wow, bundle all these words together to begin to get at the nature of, I'll say, God's center. Mm. Um, if we're growing that in, in that direction and growing to be more and more like that, we are going to become different people and we're going to treat other people differently. Mm. If we live our lives, make our choices, um, arrange our priorities out of insecurities and fractured internal mm. lives of fear and um, fragmentation, mm-hmm. it's not healthy. It's mm-hmm. not the goal. It's not the picture that God has for us. This is not a punitive statement. If somebody's hearing this and they're thinking, wow, but my interior does feel that way, it's not a punitive yeah. statement. It's Jesus giving us the goal that we are being invited to move toward, and he can enable us to move there. Mm. And so I think of it from a leadership standpoint. Um, a person who has this kind of wholeness as a leader would lead a certain way Mm -hmm. out of a sense of security. This person doesn't seem to feel threatened, doesn't, Mm -hmm. doesn't, um, you know, mistreat people, get angry, fly off the handle, manipulate, Mm -hmm. control, because there's this central piece inside of them, this wholeness. And so the way they lead and so on would be out of that wholeness. Yeah. If a person has a very sort of fractured, insecure interior, and they're a leader, and this happens, right. then your leadership is going to be an overflow of that fractured, insecure center. Mm-hmm. The way you treat people, the way you do things, the way you sort of, I don't know, need attention or need to get the credit for stuff or whatever. You're trying to meet these needs from the interior. Mm. Um this is a little off the beaten path, and I'm 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 on Twitter less and less now than I used to be, but I happened to be on Twitter this morning, and I saw a little quote from Bob Goff that makes me think of this. Right, so if wholeness is this idea that it's not fractured, that we're being mm-hmm. we're being constructed in a in a way of wholeness, this tweet I saw from him this morning said, um, "As people, uh, we are broken, which means we don't need a." coat of varnish we need a carpenter Mm. okay so that was his little play on jesus and so on but it's an interesting little play yeah we're broken inside um so we don't need a fresh coat of varnish on the outside right which is to me what would be perfectionism right i'm going to try harder to make it look a certain way right you know another coat right so if you're if if the if the wood on the inside that holds the house together is broken, you need a carpenter mm-hmm. to put it together properly. And so it was his little play on Jesus as the one who can put us together and make us whole. Um, but to me, one of the biggest uh, points here, because I reflect on this personally, is what does it look like to be a leader whose leadership would be an outgrowth of an internal wholeness? Mm-hmm. Um 
there's a beauty to that to me that I find very compelling. And it's something that I'm giving a lot of thought and prayer to right now. Mm-hmm. I think too, in the sense of that, there is a, um, there is always a pull as long as we're human, where that fracture, we're always going to be pulled toward that fracture. So being whole in Christ will never be a one-time experience. It will be a a constant infilling to bring back that wholeness. So to me, that's like the abiding in Christ is that, which is, so when Christ says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, that's a very different kind of perfect than the kind we probably talk about. So yeah, I think you could say that uh, life in a fallen world means that the pull toward fracturing is the normal pull in the mm-hmm. world we live in. Um, so wholeness is a counter, yeah. and we have to find it somewhere else than yes. this normal world. Oh, that's a great way to say it. Um, and and thus, we're, we're looking toward God for it. If I could add just one more comment, I'm calling to mind a conversation yesterday. Um, my wife Elizabeth and I spent a couple hours yesterday with some friends who have experienced a a deep, deep personal loss uh, through the death of their daughter. And we talked a good bit about grief and loss. Um, In the midst of it, this conversation about um, when you hit grief at these levels, it strips you of all of the veneers Mm. and life management tools and in one way, that's a little frightening. In the other way, it is incredibly freeing. Yeah. And so uh, the the wife of the couple that we were with yesterday was talking a bit about um, the freedom that when you've been through something this deep and this painful, that life of trying to appear to have it all together, um, there are ways that this level of grief kind of breaks some of those chains. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We will uh, talk with you all next week. Hopecast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. We're glad you joined us this week. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.